You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. And I'm Brian Catherman. And today we're going to be wrapping up our series on the landmines in systematic theology. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> no offense, but this series has been... It's hard to cover everything. It's too much. Uh, you can't teach the systematic theology, and it's hard to talk about all the different th- landmines. Uh, we've loosely been going through Wayne Grudem's book, Christian Beliefs, Colon, 20 <laughs> basics every Christian should know. If you don't know why I'm laughing, go back to last episode. And today we're just... Look, look on the when you open it up, it doesn't even have the subtitle. That's correct, yeah. It looks like on the cover, that's well, the subtitle. yours doesn't, but my previous print oh, has. Pre- so. Anyway, a lot of Regardless. people call this book 20 basics every Christian yeah. should know, but the title's actually Christian Beliefs by Wayne Grudem and Elliot Grudem. Yeah. And today we're just going to kind of wrap up the last four of his chapters really talk about the landmines and, and what is the church and you know what happens when we die and when Christ returns, what's final judgment look like, and, and what is heaven like? You, how many how many landmines are we going to throw at this last episode? Well, well, let's talk about what is the church. Okay, I mean, let's what hit What is that. the church? Land, is it a building, the steeple, open the doors, see all the people? Yes. Uh, let's talk about, so this is the landmines, right? Right. So I think the landmines fall in the area of like, how about the, membership? Right. Um, the offices within the church, elder, yeah. deacon, uh, you know, male role elders. What, about, what do we do with deacons? And is a deacon a servant that can f- have lots of titles, like a church council member and this thing, or, a, 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 um, you know, various publicly recognized roles. Sure. Uh, all your ministers that are below the elder office, are they deacons? Or is deacon a special thing that they have the title of deacon? Men, women, I think there's a lot of landmines there. People will say, I don't need to go to the church, I am the church. I am the church, so, so I carry the church with me, which is not correct. You carry Jesus with you. You were the church when you were a, you were one living stone in the church, right? So we right. Peter talks about being built together as the church. We're each a living stone in that. Um, uh, the building versus the people, right. and yes, the building is called a church in common vernacular, and yes, yeah. the people are the body or the church, uh, local autonomy of the church or non-local autonomy. Right. That's a landmine area where, like, does the local church have control or is there sort of a right. top-down should management it be, Yeah, it should them? be elder-led or congregational-ruled. Or deacon-led yeah. or uh, some other kind of pope-led, I don't know, sure. like some other top thing. I don't know. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot there for sure. Big big landmines in that. Um, there's, a, there's an area, which we might get into more in the end times, is the church the new Israel... Okay. Is Israel and the church completely separate, right? Or is it still one thing that's been modified? And there's some, you know, the whole there's totally a, a whole plan for Israel that's separate from the church, and then there's a whole plan for the church that's separate from Israel. Some would say that same covenant of the old, all the way through, all the way to the church, exactly the same. Some would say all that, all the covenants are fulfilled in Christ, yeah. and therefore Israel can join the church, His bride. Um, Lot there, lot of land, lot of landmines there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the other big land membership. I think is a big one. Membership's that really, huge. Really can be a, an explosive topic for yeah. people. I mean, um, some churches you go to, there's 300 people on the membership roll and 50 people in attendance every week. And, oh, size, yeah. size is a landmine issue, sure. right? So, like mega church versus multi campus, can that sure. be a church? Oh yeah. What actually defines the church? I mean, I know this guy, Mark Dever, has this, like, nine marks. Are, sure. are those the marks of a church? Are there less marks, more marks? Yeah. I think this includes the sacraments in the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, 
which obviously Luther right. uh, and Calvin had it, you know, a lot of debate on the Eucharist and sure. transubstantiation when it came to the Lord's Supper. So there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Baptism, oh my goodness, like our, our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, yeah. uh, based on, you know, the, the, the logical and necessary means that might come out of Scripture, think it's, yeah. we should baptize babies, and, that, and then Reformed Baptists yeah. say we, we shouldn't. Uh, so there's a lot there in baptism. This is all stuff in the church. Yeah. Could a pastor be a man or a woman? Uh, uh, are there apostles today? Oh, apostles uh, today. Yeah, the gifts in the church. The what are the, the gifts? Yeah. And then how does the spirit operate in the church? These sure. are all major landmine issues. So, okay, yeah. here's the thing, though. People are listening to this, and they're like, well, are you even going to talk about any? Or are you just going to let me know what nope. they all are? <laughs> Why aren't you I'm even going to those I wouldn't. I'm not afraid to touch the landmines, but I think that's not what we're getting at in the right. podcast. So, no. Wayne, if you go to systematic the, or systematic theology, if you go to saltybeliever.com, search Wayne Grudem or systematic yeah. theology, I think you'll find a link to his 118 yeah. podcasts where he teaches a class through his great big systematic book, theology the systematic book. theology book, Christian yeah. doctrine. I think is that called Christian doctrine? No, 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 it's called systematic theology. Yep. And the smaller ones, Christian. Yeah. So he goes through hundred. I mean, that you could you could go ahead and buy the great big book, the systematic sure. theology book by Wayne Grudem. You could buy theology for today by Elmer Towns. You could buy uh, Christian theology by yeah. Millard Erickson. You could buy Norm Geisler's systematic theology. I have one by Lewis Burkhoff. Lewis Burkhoff's theology. Yes, yeah. uh, you could go with uh, Puritan theology, which is Joel Beakey and Mark Jones. Oh, you could go. This kind. Of, I came late to the yeah. Turretin party. Sure. The three-volume oh, yeah. uh, Institutes of Alenctic, I can't even say that word, theology, which is kind of like yeah. he asks a question, then he answers a question. It's awesome, but it's old. It's sure. just been newly revi- or newly translated, I say newly, like in the last 10, 15 years, translated into English, maybe 20 years. I don't know how long it's been, but it's kind of new. Like what I got? Mueller's Christian Dogmat. Oh, let's not yeah. forget Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. Well, and... I got that old Driscoll one that I think everybody else has burned, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah, yeah, I got Pentecostal yeah. theology. I got yeah. what is Reformed theology. There are definitely resources out there. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. So, what about landmines and death? You know, when we look at what is death, I think there's some landmines there. Of you know, people think you know, great grandma's a guardian angel. We've talked about that a little bit before. So, what happens when you what die? happens when you die? Are you instantly in heaven? Is your sp- are you in a coma? Yeah, spiritual sleep. Yeah. Instantly in a paradise that then becomes something else. Or are you instantly in judgment? Yeah. So I think those are really the big areas of land. Why we die, and if you're perfected, as some would hold, why do you still die if you're saved? Right. Um, why do other things die? Someone was asking me, like, okay, with these animals that have sharp teeth, they were designed to eat things that would cause death. So if, if sin brought on death, then what? Right. I mean, that's that's sort of the stuff but that comes in. The category of death. Sure. Why didn't we die instantly at the fall? Yeah. You know, why were we given this? Well, then. Well, that's God's well, grace, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot there. These are the big landmines there that are huge questions. And then, of course, no landmines when it comes to uh, seeing Christ return. <laughs> and when he's coming back, that's pretty. That's pretty clear, uh, concise. There in Revelation, you can just read that it's for yourself. Clear as can be. Just you know, uh, get your get your left behind books and, sure. and and so here's a, okay. So let's talk about this. Um, There's lots of different views about Christ's return, huh? Yeah. There, so a lot of this has to do with how we read and interpret the Bible. And so my first argument to anybody listening would be start with the Bible. 
read the Bible, not just Revelation, but the other prophecies, and don't start with your favorite guru and then try to conform yourself to the guru or your favorite books. Most people well, have not spent time doing that. And and put your favorite movies or books or things you've read before up behind you, aside, you know. But I see what you did there with <laughs> the behind you. Because <laughs> I, I do. Like, I grew up reading the Left Behind books and, and seeing those movies. And so you come into it with this preconceived idea. And it's really better if you just kind of set that aside and read the Bible. And read in context. Yeah. Right? And ask questions. I mean, the Bible can handle your questions. How, how does this fit with that? What, what is he getting at here with this thing? What, is, what does that thing mean? So you have kind of three major positions in this. And then within one of those positions, you have positions. And all that stuff has landmines. Right. Right? And so Grudem gets into some of this. Um, how do we, Josiah, so we're, we're here at, you know, we work together at the local church uh, where we're at. And how do we as Christians navigate just the Christian life together, worshiping together, loving together, going to Bible Sunday school classes, going to whatever, when we think the Bible might be hold a different position on, for example, end times. Right? You don't really have to hold a specific end times position here at Redeeming Life. Right. Right. But now we're gonna pre- we're gonna preach from our convictions. And we, we're happy to let people who are members here and who sure. are meeting here know what those convictions are. Right. Um, you know, and so we're going to preach those. But how do we, I mean, how do we work together? And then if someone were here and they're a, they're a pre-millennial, um, pre-tribulation rapture person, they're not going to line up exactly the same with everybody else. So what do we right. do with that, right? How do we... Thoughts? Yeah, just kick them out. I mean, really, this, <laughs> there's only one way to think here, and that's the right way. No, I, I think we've, as we've talked about with with the different issues here in systematic theology, there's some open-handed issues and some closed-handed issues. You know, I don't want any of my kids' teachers to teach heresy when they're trying to explain the Trinity by talking about modalism and eggs and water and that kind of stuff. But I think we can have differing viewpoints when it comes to some of these open-handed issues as far as Christ's return, covenantalism versus dispensationalism, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, Which even, we've talked about that and through we these landmines. Well, and we even took talked last time about N.T. Wright and John Piper. You know, you just listed off ten resources by people way smarter than us who have written about systematic yeah, theology. And those don't all agree with each other. And they're not necessarily all right either, right? In so fact, let me share something. I think this is funny. So Grudem, we're, we're talking about Grudem. The reason we're using Grudem is if you read a systematic theology, Grudem tends to be a guy who likes to have nice, neat little categories. Sure. Everything fits within answers, nice, neat little bows. And so he might say something like, here are the three views on topic A. And then he lays it out, and then he kind of gives pros and cons. But if you read like somebody like Millard Erickson, it's like, here are the nine views on the same topic right. A. Right. And when you get done reading all the, all the nine views, yeah. he hasn't tipped his hat. Right. You're like, wait a minute, what the, oh my goodness. Or uh, some of these, you know, they take a perspective that's like, Okay, they only come at it from this perspective or that perspective. The Puritan thing, I don't, there's not even really anything on right. the end times in there. Well, and one resource you, you didn't mention on today's podcast is there's these four view books. Oh, yeah, or yeah, perspectives yeah. I got books. I a ton of them over here. Where they kind of have somebody from every camp who shares their viewpoint. Yep. And you said the best way to read that book is not just cover to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a, okay, so I think people really mess up. And I think it was a professor that showed me how to read these ones. He said, uh, what you need to do, you got four views, okay? You yeah. take the view that you believe you're closest to. Right. On whatever the topic is they're sure. talking about. Say baptism or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you read that first. Yeah. 
and then you don't read the rebuttals. Well, you, usually you have to read the introduction. Usually there's an introduction to kind of get you the yeah. general, okay, here's the topic we're talking about. Right. Read the introduction, then go and read the view you're closest to. Yeah. Then go and read the next view you're closest to. Don't read any of the rebuttals yet. Then go and read the next view you're closest to, and then so on and so forth until you've read all four views. Then go back in the same order, Yeah. and now that you've heard everybody's arguments, now read how they've re rebutted sure. each other yeah. because then you really get the best engagement with the material like you're thinking through okay no wait a minute i don't and when they when they list scriptures go look at the scriptures sure. see how they interpret them because what'll kill you is they'll all use the same scripture right that, and you're like what <laughs> what wait a exactly. second you gotta go to it and see well, for yourself what's so beneficial is that is you've seen how you can interpret certain scriptures different ways because i think sometimes when we come to it with our camp or our, our preconceived ideas we go yep that's the only way you can well, interpret let, this let's get let's get real Go ahead, finish your statement, and then I was going to give an example to that. Well, I was just going to share, you shared a story of once of a friend reading that book, and she started with the view she thought was hers, and went, yep, that's my view, but then read the next closest and went, wait, maybe that's my view. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then know? all the way down, like, <laughs> wait a minute. I mean, she went from, like, it was the, there was the Operation of the Spirit today, and it started, like, am I cautious, uh, open but cautious? Then it turned to, like, and this was the older one they've since updated the book, but it's, like, third wave, or I can't remember what the cessationist blah, blah, blah. I mean, pretty soon it was like wait you can't be a cessationist and a wild open cannon spirit whatever right. like you can't be across you can't be all of them right she's like this book is killing me <laughs> um so let me give you the example though of like you come to these things differently so some people will hold this idea that rapture the word itself uh, means to be to be taken away completely and like all your clothes are left behind and uh and everybody sees that you're gone and you just disappear. Right. Well, other people, and this is kind of where I come from with a scholarly take, people have said, well, there's this idea of like going out to meet the, the conquering king who's just been victorious in the army and yeah. marching back into the city yeah. together um, in that instant. So some people will say, hey, you're immediately caught up with Christ and come right back. There's... Uh, we get to celebrate in the victory of that. There's there's always different views. And so really being open to say, I want to read scripture in its entirety with all this stuff together without just starting with, well, it has to be that so it fits my left behind books. Right. Or, so it, like we don't know and, if the Antichrist is going to come from Russia. And, <laughs> and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about next a little bit because obviously there's landmines in the final judgment and when Christ returns. And I get all that. But I think the hard one, too, is, is the last chapter in, in Grudem's book here of, of what is heaven. There's so much curiosity and interest in what is heaven. I feel like it's really easy for the Christian to get lost in YouTube videos and different books of people saying, I've gone to heaven or I dreamt about heaven. Or I know I had someone tell me once that Randy Alcorn's book on heaven was the best thing you could read about heaven. I haven't read it, but how do you... Well, the Bible is probably going to be the best thing how, you can read. How do you on encourage heaven? somebody to take that, hit that pause button, and and not go to these other sources or these other talk shows, and really stick to the Bible? You, you know why they all go to the other sources and the other stuff? Because you get towards the end of Revelation, for example, and it's it's a lot of imagery and some symbolism and a lot of allusions to other areas in the Bible and the Old Testament. And so what happens is when you see a vision in the Old Testament, like there were these seven fat cows and these seven skinny cows came sure. and swallowed up the seven fat cows and or there were these weird sheaves and they were bowing down to my yeah. sheep or there were i mean like some of these visions and dreams and things are really kind of weird yeah it's i like had my daughter were... ask me yesterday because i 
I saw some video on Instagram and she said what we think angels look like, right? And they're all in robes with wings. And then it said what they really look like. And it had like eyeballs everywhere. Well, yeah. I mean, you go to my daughter goes, is that what angels really look like? Well, so the funny thing is, I think, I think the Bible seems to speak of many species of angels. Sure. We've talked about that. Right. But the point being is, I think because John is describing a vision or a picture of what he saw, some people right. will take that absolutely 100% literally. Sure. Which can be quite problematic in many areas other people will take it they'll they'll take the symbolism for example like the sea of glass well the ocean is constantly turbulent and and god calms the storm right and so the idea of storm in the bible constantly has this this uh turbulent difficult upheaval and so like when jesus calms the storm that's sort of a foreshadowing of like when we get to heaven it's totally calm it doesn't move at all um but I've heard some people say, oh, well, the sea is made of glass. And you're like, right. well, hold on a second. Like I think, So you, the, the reason we go to all these things is because it's not easy material. Right. But I think when we read it and we work on it, we get good Bible study tools and we work on it and we work through it, instead of just looking for is this that and is this this and what is that, actually right. say, what is God speaking to me yeah. in this and, and letting that seep in and start with the 30,000-foot view and work in. Over time, you won't want to run to all the other stuff. You right. want to hear it from God. Right. You want to go directly to the source. And I think you're absolutely right because in today's kind of microwave instant gratification world, we just want the answer, right? But we don't want to put in the work. And I think after listening to our podcast on just the landmines in systematic theology, hopefully our listeners understand you have to put some work in. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to do the legwork to really decide where you're at on systematic theology and the work starts with the bible mm-hmm. i don't i think we've expressed that in every podcast right. but the work starts. it starts with the bible start with the bible grab a bible and then grab wayne Gr- grudem's book systematic theology and then put on the podcast where he does the sunday school classes and walks through the book that way you can hear read it read the it scripture listen. yourself say do Look we at agree the do we not agree yeah. i mean i've heard uh some of some of our friends uh have some some sons that are like really getting into theology, yeah. which is awesome, right? Right? It's awesome. The problem is you don't just want to pit one theology book against right. another theology book without God's word, right? You want God's word, and you want to recognize those other people are the guides that are helping you, but they're not perfect, right? They're just not perfect, and, and that's why we have all these landmines and all this. And stuff. that's what I struggled with in the past is just assuming, well, this guy knows more than me, so he must have the answer. You know, I had a pastor once who I just figured he just read the whole Bible, he knows everything, and his take on stuff like this would be, well, I'm a pan theologian. It's all just going to pan out in the end, <laughs> which isn't always the most helpful. Right. Like, well, let's study it a little more. So now realizing after just kind of reading books and talking through some of these things, even just here on this podcast, of you can have different points of views, you can have different beliefs, you can read beliefs and views that are opposite of yours mm-hmm. your views and beliefs might change over time as you mature and grow in your faith you know? so let me tell you this story from when I was working on my doctorate so uh, you get all this pre-work ahead of time sure. and, and the goal with the doctorate is to become the peer with the doctors to think at that level and communicate at that level and so you get all this reading and you get all this pre-work and you're writing all these papers and you're submitting them and all the other candidates get your papers and they're going to critique your papers with you yeah. and the professor is going to be in the room and it's a whole big deal well in my in my uh seminars there were multiple professors there are multiple doctors involved so you might get the one person sending you all the information but you don't actually know who all the lecturers are going to be because mm. you have different seminars different speakers they're all like i loved my program it was like a top-notch deal and you get some pretty solid folks but i had written we had to read some popular level reading 
and then we had to offer an academic type critique of where the popular level reading was right and wrong and what okay. they could have done to improve That's the fair. work. Okay. So I don't think too much of it because we're kind of just reading. We're not reading the big heady books, right? right? We're just reading the ones that you pick up at the bookstore. Yeah. So I'd give this critique. I'm pretty hard on the author, but academically fair. But I basically just point out that he missed an entire subsection of the church. Yeah. And he only wrote to one audience. And, okay. You know, he just, so because of that, he really fell short with his goal and blah, right. blah, blah. So then it's the first day of the seminars. You'd go for like a, a week to all these seminars. And all, all the students have critiqued each other. And they all have read the material. And I've read the material. I've read theirs. They've read mine, whatever. The professor walks in. It's the author of the book. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, everybody. So where did you run to? So everybody turns and looks at me and goes, "Oh no!" Because they know what you said about. Oh, it. they know. They've all read. They've critiqued it themselves. It's like about ten of us or so in the room. I'm like, this is going to be so bad, so bad. And uh, by the way, I'm not mentioning his name, but he's a great guy. He's a fantastic guy. We actually good author. Yeah. So uh, he actually was the editor for a, a good season of Christianity Today and Leadership okay. Journal and a bunch of stuff. Invited me to write in some of those things so that. Yeah, I've already let the cat out of the bag. This didn't destroy our relationship. Sure. But he, he starts with like, where is Mr. Catherman? I'm like, oh, crap. Yikes. Oh, I can no. just feel it. Oh, yeah. And he's like, he, first thing he said is, well, let's let's go ahead and start with you. And everybody pulls out my paper. We're all going to critique. That's just kind of how these things work. Yeah. So we're all going to talk about my critique. And the first thing he says is he said, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for your honest, well-thought-out critique. As I think about what you've said, you're right. And if I ever write another edition of the book, we should probably write that together because you were fair and honest. And so, so like, suddenly I'm like, oh, good. So you didn't get an F. No, I didn't get an F. I I made it. And actually, uh, we're still connected through social media. And and, uh, he senses doing a whole bunch of seminary work at a different school. And and anyway, the point being is he himself was like, you know what? You're right. right. And that's how we need to be about it. Now, that right. doesn't mean that – and there was stuff that I wasn't right about and lots of things in the seminar. Right. But on that particular – the author of the book could come in and say, you know what? We need to all be honest about what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Well, that being said, as we kind of bring this series to a close and wrap things up with this podcast episode, what would be some final thoughts or advice you'd give to our listeners when it comes to kind of unpacking their own theology? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. And then what? Read the Bible. Got it. <laughs> and, and when people are – trying to say, hey, this is what this scripture means or that scripture means, go to the Bible and read for yourself and and, and recognize that, that they might be right or wrong, but the Bible is right. Right. So work through that. So let the Bible be the guide. That be. I mean, I could not stress that enough. And then it's okay to read varying opinions yeah. and varying things, but also dig into theology. Like, it's okay. I mean, study. Get the book. If you have not read Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics, Every Christian Should Know, go buy it and read it. Right. If you want to do more, buy a big theology. I'm sure. still buying books. I just bought the turrets and stuff, and I'm starting right. to read that. It's hard reading. Calvin is not the easiest to read. Sure. Go with whatever level you can get at right. and study the Word of God. And that's why Gurdon's such a great spot to start, because he has this book that we've it's talked tiny. about before. Like it's something pages. You know, you get it off the bookshelf, 150 pages. And then there's Bible Doctrine that expands on this just a little bit more. And then if you're really advantageous, you can read Systematic Theology. And they're really all basically the same right. book. They just, just expand and expand. It. Yeah. Right. So that, what, would be, what would you advise? What would be your advice? Like, you've kind of come through this sure. journey apart from read your Bible, read your Bible, all that right. stuff. Because that's what it was for you. I mean, it you was. started reading your Bible. Man, these guys are some of these guys are wrong. But the hard part in that, and I've t- kind of touched on this before, is is really sitting beside your, your preconceived notions and how you grew up. You know, right? 
like we talked about in an episode, was it take to believe in Christ? I grew up knowing you had to say a certain prayer, right? So you have to kind of sit beside everything you've learned or maybe what you pass, your pastor has even taught you or what your favorite guru has said and just say, okay, what does the Bible say? And right. really try to be open-minded with that and understand some people get it wrong. He might have just, you know, got some people a little triggered on, wait, I'm supposed to doubt my pastor? I don't want to encourage that people just go in going, my pastor's wrong, no. but go in going, hey, will my pastor show me? So one right. of the things I really press, and I press on you and your preaching, my preaching, is sure. I want to say, look at this scripture, right. here's how I understand it, and my 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 biggest win that right. makes me so excited is that when people come back and go, well, wait a minute, what about sure. this? And they've looked at scripture. Absolutely. My biggest lose, loss, negative right. when they come back and go, well, Preacher so and so said blah blah blah. I guess I'm like, that's well, the what do you think, think, right? Like, it's don't just have blind faith. Yeah. Also, you have an awesome man of God as your preacher. I, I love what you say to our congregation. You say, "Hey, you know, I'm willing to debate this with you. Do know that I have a doctorate, and so <laughs> yeah. I've done a lot of study and research on this. But let's talk about but, it." But so I'm going to steal from Grudem. He, I use this line all the time. He said, just because I have a doctor, it doesn't mean I'm right. It just means you're probably not going to change my mind. Exactly. <laughs> and there are going to be things that you disagree with others on. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're right and they're wrong. It just means it's a difference of opinion. That's right. So hopefully this has been helpful. And hopefully, at the very least, this has gotten you excited and interested in learning more and expanding your theology. Hey, before you cut it off, I know that when we set out to do this, we started with, man, I just want to do a podcast through systematic theology. Sure. That was what you really wanted. I said, yeah. what do you want to do next? Right. Let's really talk about theology and systematic theology. And it didn't go Correct. the way you had set out. I mean, the first few episodes we were trying to teach and right. we can't cover the material in the time span. Right. We ended up in landmines. What did you and learn? without a whiteboard. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you need a white yeah. You need a whiteboard. What did you learn through the process and, and where do you think at least starting with where some of the landmines are has been has it been helpful, good? Meet your expectations. Come fall grossly short. What do you? <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know what the target is at this point. But I think it's helpful to just know that there are so many different beliefs. You know, I, I think a lot of times when you grow up in certain camps or certain denominations, you you get to thinking that this is the only way to look at something. And so, kind of stepping back outside of that and saying, "Hey, there's some really smart, intelligent guys out there who had differing opinions on these subjects." I can have a difference of opinions, and, and maybe I. It makes me want to research it more and study it more. Which you've run into that in seminary too, right? Yeah, you can for sure. read a lot on your own, but if you yeah. stay in your own camp, right? If you literally, you you don't learn as it much. Feels but like an echo chamber. Seminary forces you out of your camp a little bit, and you're like, wait a second, hold on a sec, wait. I just read two books that completely disagree with each other, and then you're supposed to write a paper on it, right? Like. <laughs> It's good to work through these landmines. Yeah. It's it, so, don't run away from them. Right. Uh, don't just step on them blindly. But like, it's good to be okay to go. Hey, these are the debates, and let's see where we land, and let's have a genuine, nice, honest conversation about and, them. And don't be embarrassed if your opinion on something changes, as you said with that author. Like, you yeah, have well, to be, you have to be humble enough to go. Hey, I got that wrong. Well, I didn't used to be reformed. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't used to be. I used to see that as I just didn't hold that position. It was a reform. It was a free will guy who's yeah. still a free will guy challenging me to read the Bible right. to understand his position that see? made me come to the other view. Hello. Which, uh, sorry, Doctor Purser. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't reformed either until somebody told me I pray like a Calvinist, and then I couldn't <laughs> get away from that. So at the end of the day. We don't all have to agree, but we do need to understand and agree on is that Christ is Lord, the Bible is sovereign, God is sovereign, and uh, the Bible's inerrant. God inerrant. is sovereign. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Unscripted. What are you gonna do? Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com. <laughs>